welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, a podcast about gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Kim. This is Chris. All right, welcome to episode 17 of the most frequently recorded podcast in the world, Board Gamers Anonymous. This week we're going to talk about uh, Relic Runners. We got that to the table. Chris finally got in his copy of Coup. Finally. With some slight wear. And, <laughs> and we were talking so much trash about it, and like 12 hours later, it was in your mailbox. <laughs> <laughs> what was left of it? <laughs> Aw. <laughs> I think maybe they heard the podcast, and they were like, here's your box, here's your box. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to talk about a couple games we played, and uh, we had a great discussion topic later, too. So, All right, so first things first. Uh, if you haven't yet, of course, listen to the Holiday Gift Guide. Get in there, check it out. We have 50-plus games that we've... You know, we've gone through, we've categorized them, we've talked about you know, who they're best for. If you're trying to think of a gift for a gamer in your life, or if you are a gamer and want to give something to someone you love, who maybe you're trying to get into games, perfect list. And of course, there's an awesome text and uh, link-filled guide on the website, too, BoardGamersAnonymous.com. And if you don't like anything we talk about, you should hit up Facebook and ask us for other ideas, because we are an endless font of board game suggestions. Yeah, and the guide covers everything. So if you're looking for friends, family, or hardcore gamers, you'll fa- definitely find something there. Yeah, definitely. So check it out because it is up. It is getting downloaded, and uh, we hope it's really helpful for everybody. You know, this holiday season. So this week um, we're gonna skip over acquisition disorder because we're actually working on something for next week. Yeah, um, since we have such vast gaming collections amongst ourselves. Trying to find a gift for each other is sometimes hard because it's like, oh, yeah, I was thinking of this game. I already had that. Oh, I was thinking of getting him this game. He got that last week. So we're putting together our own top Christmas want list. So we're avoiding acquisition disorder this week so we're not tempted to order things for ourselves while we're trying to figure out what to get each other for the holidays. Because it's the holiday season. You should be thinking about others, not yourself. Others, give gifts. Yeah, but when you see only three left in stock, you're like, ah, I'll get one for me too. <laughs> Embargo. Embargo. <laughs> Follow the embargo. Yeah, so that's next week. We're going to have, you know, all the games that are on our want lists. And maybe the week after we'll have them. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> if we broke the embargo or if somebody heard what we were saying. Hint, hint, wink, wink, write this down. Yeah, exactly. Listen to podcast. At the table this week. All right, so, the, but so this week we're just going to talk about some of the stuff we've been playing. Keep it pretty. Simple, straightforward, had a nice relaxing week, talk about some games we played. Um, first on the list is Koo, because we finally got it in. Yay, Koo's here! So, finally got Koo in, and this is the Kickstarter edition. So, it has a little upgraded features that you wouldn't find in a normal edition. So, first off, and this may or may not matter to you at all, but it's in a foil box. So, the actual box cover itself has a nice little foil... Um, shine to it. That was one of the Kickstarter goals that it met. And unfortunately, mine got really banged up, so it really shows the foil. But I was able to push it and glue it back together again, so Humpty Dumpty's doing fine. Um, Actually, inside the game itself, you have a um, large selection of cards, and with this edition, you've got alternate artwork. So instead of just having the three cards for each of the different people, you'll actually have the three cards and two additional artwork. So you got a little variability there. You can kind of change it up a little bit. Um, What I do with the game is I'll put one of the standards and then the two alternate artworks so everyone gets a little bit of a different flavor to the game. The game itself is pretty simple. If you ever played Resistance, this follows the same story arc where in Resistance you're either playing the resistance itself, the good guys trying to overthrow the government, or the spies that are trying to take down the resistance. So the artwork on the cards is really interesting. It's beautiful work. You have the character itself. You have a symbol that designates what the character's ability is. You have the name of the character, and then you have the special ability of the character that goes into play. You also have character cards. So you have this little card that's in front of you that lists all the different actions that you can take along with all the different characters. Because in this game, you'll be given two influence. Now, influence in this game is not money, as we kept thinking it was, but it's actually the two cards. So you're randomly handed these two cards. You place them face down after you get a chance to look at them. And then on your turn, you can, take, you can say... 
I'm taking the action of blank. Now blank can be one of your cards or it can also be a bluff and be something else in the game. Almost like a little like masquerade. Exactly. So, for example, I could have the Duke and Assassin but say, well actually I'm going to I have the captain, so I'm going to take two coins from another player. Now, that player itself can do one of two things. They can challenge me and say, I don't think you have the captain. Now, if they challenge me, I have to reveal the card. If I do have the captain, the other player loses an influence, loses one of their character cards. If I, do ha- if I don't have the captain, then I flip over one of my cards of my choice, and now I've just lost an influence. And then my ability, what I was doing there, which was stealing two coins, doesn't take place. One of the other things that can happen is, in this game, there's a lot of cards that counteract actions. So if I was going to steal two coins from Anthony, Dan, you could play a card and say, I'm going to block the stealing. I have the Inquisitor. Now, at that point, I have to make a decision. I could say, Dan, I'm going to challenge you. I don't believe you have the, the Inquisitor. And you have to flip over. And if you show that you do have the Inquisitor, I lose one of, your guys. I lose one of my guys. So... Um, it play everyone gets to play part of it anyone can challenge and it's a really light fast quick game um the coins itself was also a little bit of a kickstarter extra not just the box but the coins itself are foiled um so it gives a nice little touch to it there are different abilities that you have that give you different coins throughout the game and for example one of the things the assassin can do is on three coins you can choose a player and for example i could say kim I have the assassin, and I'm paying three coins, and I'm going to assassinate one of your characters. So that's a way to get rid of characters, because you only have two, and you want to be the last person standing. Now, do they have, like, is there any variant where it's, like, um, if, all the, if only the assassins are left, like, the assassins win? Like, you know, because I know there's all those different symbols on those cards, too. Sure. Or is it just straight out last man standing? Straight out last man standing. And one of the, one of the part, parts of this game is... As you lose your influence or your characters, in this case, you flip them up so everyone can see. So you might have a chance to actually count the character cards that are available and deduce what you, what the other person might have. So as the game goes on, yeah. Yeah, I've done that a couple times. I had the the one that blocks the assassin. I know the other two are already out. So yeah, it's like, I was like, it's like I'm the Duke. going to kill me. Yeah, it's like, I'm the Duke. It's like, I know for a fact you're not because <laughs> they're all dead. <laughs> Now, there'll be the rest of the cards that don't go out to the players will be in the middle, so there'll always be a couple of cards you're not 100% sure of. So you have to take a calculated risk in that case. But it is possible that all the cards are showing, or the cards are showing and you have them in your hand. So you might know that someone's bluffing at that point. Is there anything to get rid of one of the cards that you have for something in the middle? Like, is there any swap ability? or? Yeah, there's the Ambassador card, which lets you put a card back in the deck, and then you can choose two cards. So you can kind of like, you have these two new cards, you have your two old cards, and you can kind of swap in and out. Now remember, you don't have to actually have the card. Yeah. You can just bluff and say, I have the ambassador. I'm going to switch these cards out. And now if nobody calls you on it, you can go ahead and do that. So you can, it's really great. So you can, at any time you can use any of these powers. If no one's calling you on it, it's all up and available for you. Yeah, sounds cool. So as I said, you can lose cards by um, calling someone's bluff and being wrong um but you can also as i said the assassin takes out somebody but obviously the game itself coup so if you have seven coins you can actually perform a coup and i can say dan i'm going to perform a coup on you and you automatically lose one of your your characters and you can't be blocked this this action can't be blocked at all now if for some reason if you go up to 10 coins you must perform a coup yeah. i saw that on the card it's automatic yeah so that's good. So it's like it, it also stops somebody from banking up like 25 coins. Yeah. And then just turn by turn taking people out. Yeah, if people are watching, I think the game we were playing, Anthony, like I was coming up to seven and people were stealing from me so I wouldn't get to seven. Mm-hmm. And then I think you had you were able to do the coup because you were taking coins from me. We were both up to almost seven, so the person before you had to pick one of the two of us. She picked you. Pick me. And then I used my coup. So Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust that the, Tiffany girl. I was gonna say the werewolf, the werewolf, <laughs> the vampire, the one that always turns on the group. <laughs> Can lie just like with a smile on her face. You're know, like, I have no idea what you're doing. I'm just waiting for her Pathfinder group to collapse as she just murders everyone. <laughs> some raid. So, um, great cards, great artwork, great production. 
Um, as I said, you have a duke, you have an assassin, you have an ambassador, and the ambassador could be switched out with an inquisitor instead. You can also have a you have a captain and a contessa. Um, the artwork is great. The card quality is great. The coins are great. They have a little odd first player marker that's really highly detailed and also foiled. Some guy. Like looks like a very angry Kevin Smith. Yes. Yeah. Kevin Smith is angry that you're passing him around, I guess. Um, great game. Definitely should check it out. Um, you could pick it up for about 15 at your store or 10 online. Yeah, I liked it. I think it's, um, you know, we talked about Masquerade a few weeks ago, which we all liked. But this is the same kind of mechanic, but there's more, you know, you're attacking each other, so it's more strategic. Also, you have two cards at any given time, which is very different. Yeah. And you can look at them whenever you want. So it's not... There's not that issue of remembering what card you have. It's just trying to keep track of what everybody else has. You're just not doing those mind games of Masquerade where it's, am I switching with you or aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's. I think there could be room in your collection for both games. If yeah. you want something party-like, that's Masquerade. Um, Coup is, you know, it's, this is more like a board gamer's type of game where you're going to play it with people who want to think through the game and try to really figure out what everybody's doing. Um, and I really like the fact that it continues the Resistance universe, Yeah, which is a, a lot of fun. The artwork is so much better than the original Re- Resistance. Kind of fits more along the lines of the Avalon edition, which is more recent. But it's a, f- a lot of fun. We played through it ra- rather quickly, and it does kind of fit the 10 to 15 minute mark. Yeah, we played three times, what, 45 minutes? Yeah. So it's pretty and with, quick. And with all new players. Yeah, teaching. So it was quick. Yeah, and it's fun because you never really know what everybody's got. You are messing with each other a little bit. Um, can lie through your teeth and get away with it for a while. I stole a ton of money. I never had a captain. <laughs> but I was playing off of Frank, who kept saying he had the Duke, and I'm like, are you going to admit you don't have the Duke and call me on it, or am I just going to keep stealing your money? So, I just like that the captain steals from other players, not the rogue, not the mercy. <laughs> it's like, this is my ship. Give me money. He's graft, man. This is weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the art is it was amazing, and it's also like the same like linen feel, like almost like the cards and Lords the of nice Water. Cards, yeah. It's really nice. It has a two-player variant. Um, the game itself is supposed to play to six, but you can play with seven or eight. Rulebook's a little thin. I mean, it's a very simple game, so you're not going to expect a lot. But there were some spots where there was some questions that we had when we read through it for the first time. But once again, another one of these micro games, simple one deck kind of game, a couple of tokens. Yeah, I think it's you know it's definitely worth what you're paying for it. Did you enjoy this more than Masquerade, or same, different? How'd you feel um, about it? I, I honestly think it would be different moods, different games. You know, if we were just hanging out, you know, maybe a big group of people, kind yeah, of that werewolf mood. It seems like drinking can be an adversity, and when playing Coup, you had to pay a little more attention. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Because Coup is, I would play this at the store rather than Masquerade, but Masquerade I would probably play at home more if I had yeah. a group of people. Because it's it's fun, and you're just goofing around. If you're trying to be all strategic and win Masquerade, you're not going to have very much fun because it's just, you know, it's like Werewolf. You win or you don't. It's not. Well, one thing that uh, you brought that up, and recently we celebrated Kim's birthday, we had a 12-player Masquerade game going on, and that was insane because every roll was out, everyone was using every card. You got to see the Peasants, the Inquisitor, everybody. And we also had a 17-man Werewolf game. Oh God. <laughs> so we got to see all those specialty roles and act and everything else too. And it's kind of funny because we're used to that ten player style. It's pretty wild when there's like you know like okay, seer, wake up, go back to sleep, little girl, you can spy on the werewolves while they're picking their target. Don't forget, charmer, you can choose two people to fall in love with each other. So like, <laughs> I, I felt bad for our moderator because she was. <laughs> I had defenders, and I was like, this is gonna be so much fun. Got killed the second night. <laughs> <laughs> I want to use my power. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fun. Like, you know, like, it's more and more of these, like, party-style games I've been having fun with, like, the big player. I'm actually really interested in trying Coup, like, now with, like, a five or six player. I was thinking yeah. maybe I'll pick one up, and uh, this way I'll have the regular edition, and this way you can, like, just talk trash about <laughs> how inferior my components look, and I don't have that foil first player marker. Hey, man, what's up with the non-foil yeah. coins, man? <laughs> nice coins, loser. <laughs> a complete Strategist has the Kickstarter editions. Like that stack. Or I saw. maybe you won't be able to yeah, do yeah. that. I didn't realize it was foil and non-foil, but their stack was fifteen bucks tomorrow for the next time you're there, man. Yeah, there's like twenty foil copies, so we might have to pick those up and pretend we kickstarted it. 
I backed this. I was very loyal to the it's project. Very much. <laughs> they shipped my box very nicely, too. It's in perfect condition. <laughs> People will know. <laughs> hey, man, your box yet. isn't banked up. <laughs> they didn't mail that to you. They mailed that to a store. <laughs> Every, a store, store that got it like three weeks in advance. It's like after I get it, I'm just going to mail it to myself, but it's like, you know, Kickstarter spelled wrong on the box. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's, um, it's great you finally got it in and better that it's actually good. Yeah, I was worried about that after waiting so long. I was kind of worried about something with production or the delivery, but opponents are good, game looks good, fun, quick, kind of fits in that uh, love letter category. Yeah, and I like that it's... A departure from what Avalon and Resistance was. Like, I was afraid that it was just going to be that in the future. So, I'm, yeah, I'm glad it's to see it's a game. different style of game, too. And it played well with four, which a lot of these games don't play with, you know, with that few people. Yeah, it, play, it played pretty well with us. We were playing four, but you can play up to six or eight. We played at, we played at Kim's birthday party. That was, people yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, the art is pretty well, too, especially compared to, like, Resistance. Like, Resistance, you know, all the spies look like the most seedy untrustworthy people in this you know it's like one guy looks like uh i'm pretty sure he was one of the hidden characters in street fighter alpha there's, <laughs> there's the uh the lady gaga of the future i mean it's like it's all in all the art is definitely like pretty wild emo I, assassin emo assassin i was gonna tell you about <laughs> emo assassin. yeah i guess i'll kill him <laughs> all right well that's cool check it out yeah definitely add it to your christmas list yeah anything else uh, you guys been playing lately um, well, we did get a chance to check out the new second summoners for Summoner Wars. So there's the second summoner for the Fallen Kingdom and also the Vanguards. And it seemed pretty cool. I like the way that the Fallen Kingdom guy played. The previous Fallen Kingdom summoner was you can, you know, sacrifice magic to bring back guys from the dead. So he was like a reanimator. He was a lich. So it fit in pretty well. This one is like, you know, he was driven mad and he actually has like a vampire trait. So every time he hits, he's going to be stealing life, but only against enemies. You can't just start pinging your own guys to heal up. But it's pretty wild because he has a lot of cards where he's taking damage to do all these effects. So one of them is you take a life point of damage and draw five more cards. Take a life point of damage and you get to do this or that. So it was a pretty interesting swap. Like one of his champions was a guy that hits hard. He has four attack dice. If he hits for three or more damage, you take a point. So it's a nice little system of balances, and Kim actually did really good with the new vanguards. Really good. I hardly got anybody out. I wanted to get my eight-point guy out, but you kept on stealing my magic things, and... Well, I did I did have one champion that put that on uh, the kibosh on that. There's actually a new Fallen Kingdom champion where all champions will cost two more to summon. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Even for you. So. But still, once you've got your guy out. I got him out early and I threw him in the back corner and just let him hide. <laughs> just make it impossible for anybody to summon anything? Yeah, I, I figured, like, you know, I would run him into the battle when I drew my other two champions. But, yeah, I mean, like, the, the Vanguard guy was pretty cool. Like, it, that one little factor of making it harder to hit your guys when he was around drove me nuts. It's, uh, if a unit's within two squares of the Vanguard leader. They only get hit on four or higher instead of three or higher. And I must have rolled a dozen threes. <laughs> so Kim, like, so many times she just avoided the damage, avoided the damage. But uh, you had a little bit of my luck with those dice rolls that game. I saw you rolling ones and twos. Yeah, I could not get any anything above a two. It just wouldn't happen for me. And you remember, like, after the uh, the seventh time you attacked and you kept rolling ones and twos and you just couldn't hit? I remember I, had, I was able to roll at least four dice. And nothing. You only you did one damage. No, I didn't do any damage. Yeah. That Open one to time. my world. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, Summoner Wars creates stories. Like, the dice should not do that. <laughs> it's like, oh, as long as I roll one... Of course I didn't. Yeah, but at the same time, when we were babysitting uh, for Anthony, we were rolling on the rug because we didn't want to make too much noise on the board. So I think it was the rug's fault. Uh, you, you can't blame in my carpet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you say my floor brings you bad luck? Yeah. I was rolling just fine on it. I don't think it was the carpet. <laughs> Carpet's minus two to rolls. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I, mean, um, I gotta say, like, uh, the second Summoners is actually, like, definitely reinvigorating my love of Summoner Wars. It's always been a fun game. But just now seeing even more customized options, I'm at that point now where I want to start making my own decks too. I don't want to just stick with the base deck. Because the construction is so fair 
that you don't feel like you're cheating by making a deck to go against somebody's out of the box deck. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what the next set of second summoners are. Like I'm praying to God they do something for the filth. Because those Ooh. guys are all yeah, right? Yeah. Those guys are awesome. If they made like a second set that like played a little differently. I want more mutations. Or instead of mutations, if there was something else, like guys of like they were together become something greater. Like they maybe like guys that like meld into each other. Cool. So if they were side by side, they each gain a bonus or something like that. Something like that would be awesome. Yeah. Man, I want to make my own filth deck. That's another yeah. million dollar fan <laughs> idea there for you. Every week. <laughs> Flat Hat Games, hire me for like two months. Let me make the filth. <laughs> Just give me a copy first. Yeah. The new, the new summoner will be like Mad Dan or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, uh, all in all, I mean... It, just like you know the steady introduction of these characters and the new decks coming out it's it's definitely fun playing again i want to make sure we hit it get it to the table more often now too because it, it is still like one of the most fun games i played like it's always a good time when you play summoner wars i have that thought every time i see it you know i brought it with me yesterday to myriad and i was like two-player game oh. not gonna play it because there's always enough people and you want to include as many people as you can and that's why you got to bring that second board and just play two games side by side. I know, I know. <laughs> we had a chance to play uh, the Guild Dwarves, right, with the towers. Oh yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was mean. <laughs> yeah, I want to try that. That sounds cool. I like how I felt all safe until you put that uh, diagonal attack thing. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Boom, dead. <laughs> but it was a nice. It was a different take on on the dwarves because before they were just knocking down walls. Now they had built towers. Yeah, yeah. and then you could. When you, once you built a tower, you had your special abilities, could actually move the towers, shoot in different abilities, have a cluster bombs, which would break up and, and hit other characters nearby. So it's pretty great. And the Phoenix Elves, you had the new summoner who oh, could kind of, kind of summon creatures surrounding her. Yeah, that deck she, is nuts. Yeah, Margaret she gets keeps like those, destroying me with that deck. The second, uh, the yeah. new one of the, yeah, they're awesome. I love that she can summon those uh, like little phoenixes or something yeah. like that. The firelings, I think they're called. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, just feeds off of them. So cool. That is like one of the coolest decks I've seen in a long time. Does she time. build magic with it? Oh, yeah. So I use them as blockers, and then, like you said, eventually. Just build magic if you need them. And then they'll build magic. Because they don't. Endless supply of magic. Because they really aren't, aren't that powerful on their own. No, they're useless. But yeah. yeah, but when they are, like, I think it's like when they're next to each other, they increase the attack or something like that. Yeah, it's so, just cool you can use them in so many ways. You can, you know, just ping them yourself, they're free. Or you can block yourself in. So they have to carve through it. Yeah, and that spell card she has, like the Queen's Guard or whatever, where you bring people back to her. Yeah. It's like you can just run everyone in, you know, go for something big, and then next turn just bring everyone right back. Yeah. Yeah, some people say it's overpowered, but I don't think it's overpowered. I think it's just easier to run that strategy. Yeah. Like, you look at it, and you're like, oh, of course that's what you'll do. The other decks are a little more subtle, but, yeah, those Phoenix Elves are nuts. I want to get another uh, couple of games in with those new Tundra Orcs. They're not yeah. as fun as Swamp Orcs, but I do like that moving the moving ice, the the ice balls, yeah. was insane. That yeah. was like such a cool addition. Fine when they make the second summon of the Swamp Orcs, I'm going to buy four of those decks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Keep one in my jacket just on the upshot I get to play out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah, you make me want to go home and play. Damn, every time we talk about this game. <laughs> <laughs> done. Even with the new summers, I'd like to see something different with the board. Maybe a more elaborate board, maybe things that block it just a bigger setup because the game itself seems like you play on that board it's still the standard kind of boxes i'd like to see something different done there too if they ever did like a like a miniature battle game or something like that mm, that'd be cool because i think the reason they don't change the board is because it would it could throw certain races at a disadvantage but like summon awards 2.0 you could do scenarios or something though i was gonna like say it's... in the duke you can drop a mountain down in the middle and everybody has to move around it yeah you could do something like that you never know. There might be a new summoner that does something like that. That it's true. puts like a permanent mark on a board where it's like it just it doesn't have life. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Man, that would be awesome. That would be pretty cool. Like a black hole, every unit around it at the end of their turn, they take a damage. Yeah, it's people like or moving like, around or a separate deck that did you like know area effects each yeah, event deck where okay. each each turn you pull something out and something activates or gets destroyed. It'd be like fighting on a volcano. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, gonna dodge the <laughs> magma. You roll a die, see if it actually hits. Like yeah. flashpoints where you're you map yeah. out the grid and you roll. <laughs> Time to customize this game. Well, did you ever play Archon where you had the the board? It was 
you had the black and white squares, and then there were some squares in the middle that had like purple. And if you landed Wait, on those magic spots, is that spots, the old Nintendo game? Oh my! Well, it's like the old PC game. Yeah, yeah. that game was awesome. That was like one of the first games that had doppelgangers. Yeah. When you land on the enemy, you would like morph yeah. into what they were. That game yeah. was amazing. Yeah. My God, that's like going back in the vault. <laughs> yeah. But it was a lot of fun, and it has that same kind of feel. Like if there were special spots on the board, they gave you additional powers or or weakened you or something. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be tournament friendly, but it'd be friendly for people who just play like yeah. we do. Yeah. So yeah. you just talked about Flashpoint. We actually just played the. Uh, Brian just got the new. All the new stuff in from that was on the Kickstarter recently. How was the dog? The dog moves crazy spaces, but has a ton of rules. <laughs> Sherry's playing. You can't the dog. talk to other players. <laughs> you can't go through. <laughs> the... <laughs> what is it? A fire? Duh. <laughs> well, what, is, what is the dog at? Like twelve action points. It has twelve action points. Yes. <laughs> so he could like literally anywhere on the board, but, but it takes four to move somebody. Yes. So. You can't like move twelve. Like once they pick up a person. But still, I mean, is it like the dog can't put out fires or something? Dog can't put out fires. Right, yeah. Dog can't open doors or windows. <laughs> <laughs> you have not met my dog. <laughs> uh, dog can't go through fire. Um. <laughs> Stupid dog. <laughs> Just spray it down first. It'll be fine. Exactly. So so when we started the game. We started the game out. Sherry had the dog. We're like. Brian, you got to go with the dog. He's like, why? I'm like, you got to open the window for the dog. Someone's got to let the dog in. <laughs> yeah. But it was a lot of fun. The sculpts for all the fire, the firemen and the the dog sculpt. Yeah. Really cute. Now, how many additional sculpts? Because I looked online and it noted like there's the um, the veteran and the dog. But it's like thirteen bucks. I'm like, I don't pay thirteen bucks for two pieces of plastic and two cards. There was a lot of. There were sculpts for all the characters. Yes. They redid all the base ones. Or? Yeah. Yeah. And is it all different sculpts now for each of the different classes? Each or? role has a different sculpt, yeah. And you all just right. you put the color around the base. It's slightly so it's not different. colored units anymore. All right, that's not bad. So anybody could be any of them. It's not like the purple or the, the orange one is the veteran. All now. right, so that's why it's that price. Yeah, because it just wasn't listed on the screen. I'm like, there's no way it's 13 bucks. It gives you a two lot. Two guys and two cards. That would just be absurd. It, nuts. it gives you a lot of additional tokens and chits. You're really almost overstuffed with cardboard. It's a lot of stuff. Yeah, and there's new boards. So yeah, well, there's the two board. different things. There's, like, the character pack and then the additional boards and all that stuff, too. Yeah, I think he just got the whole package on Kickstarter. Yeah. So we saw, he showed us the boards. There's the one we played with, is like, the house and the garage. The garage, yeah. But then there was, like, a downstairs and an upstairs. Yeah, there, was a, there was a the garage, there was a brownstone where you there had no windows on one side. And you couldn't throw people out the window because clearly that's not a safe thing to do. <laughs> but I the, don't understand. The garage had a, uh, a car. That if oh, it had yeah. enough damage, it would explode. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so I would be there pouring gasoline on it, going, "Come on!" No, no, we already fig- no, we figured out it was a Street Fighter mini game. <laughs> to get there with the firefighters, be like, "It's a car. What do we do? We hit it, of course." Yeah. You gotta do three hurricane kicks and then a few low punches. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where's Blanca when we need him? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, now I really want to try that out too now. Yeah, Flashpoint's a really fun co-op game. It really finds a nice balance between being tough but being friendly, and a really good entry point. It's not gonna it's not gonna crush you like Pandemic, and it's not gonna kind of alienate you like Yggdrasil. It's like, hey, I get this firefighter. The action parts points make sense and kind of run through. So pretty simple, pretty fun. I just always kind of crack up though when uh, you're playing and an explosion happens and kills one of the players. And everyone's just like, all right, well, you just, you know, you just respawn outside, and that's fine. Like, I can't imagine anyone on a scene having that comment. <laughs> just, ba-doom, five people get wiped out. Yeah, this is fine. Look, like, oh, we got to do <laughs> Well, I think at the end of our game, Anthony, you were the veteran. Yeah. And we were like, we all sa- we saved everybody in the house, including a cat, dog, and a fish in a fishbowl. And, I'm and, the only guy and that's one of the new people to save. Yes, it's a fishbowl. Yeah. A goldfish is just as valuable a life as an eight-year-old. That's very... That fish is dead. It's been boiled. <laughs> the fish has been saved. The dog was there, man. Yes, you the were dog there. carried out the fishbowl. Is there a rule like the dog can't carry out the cat, though? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> but then at the end of the game, Anthony, unfortunately, was left alone in the fiery house. <laughs> And the rest of us won the fire truck just riding around. <laughs> yeah, they all yeah. on the fire truck. <laughs> Everyone's safe? Yeah, let's go home! Help! <laughs> you rookies. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was not super hard. I think we actually flipped all the smoke over to fire at the end just to see what would happen, and finally there was an explosion, but... 
there was only smoke when we were done. So. But you weren't using any of the chemicals or accelerants. No, no hazmat. So yeah, you gotta use a lot of stuff, man. Yeah. If you're using the special rules, you gotta you gotta have all that danger in there. Talk Otherwise. to Brian, man. He's just <laughs> playing it safe. I think he just likes to win at Flashpoint. <laughs> Sometimes you get the rolls. That helps too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We weren't. I don't think at any point we got a, a smoke turned to a fire because we weren't hitting the same yeah, spot. It just kept going across the. Jumped around everywhere, but it didn't. You know, sometimes you'll roll three times in a row the same thing, and like, okay, half the house just exploded in two turns, and the game's over. But yeah, there was a few games we played where uh, there would be like twenty-one black cubes left or something. Then an explosion would change into another explosion that would blow out half the walls. And like, (laughs) well, now we can just go outside a lot easier. Yeah, we have have two cubes left. (laughs) It's like that game we played with uh, Mike. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm I'm just going to cut the wall down. No, we're going to (laughs) die. It's like, if you take out that beam, the house will cave in. But I'll make it out first, right? It's besides the point, my friend. It's co-op. We all have to win. You can't win by yourself. You'll be the only one at the funeral. But yet he found a way. That's true. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool game. I want to try so, check it out again with all the hard stuff. Because, I mean, I, I really like Flashpoint. Would you say it's worth picking up, the, the dual expansion online? You know, I don't know what it costs. Um, I don't I know don't, what the upgrade I think is. I it's like about 40 have. bucks for both. I don't know if... I don't know if it adds anything significant to the game. I mean, it's nice to have the new boards, which adds a little complexity to it. But just the fact that the fire changes and you can change the characters... I don't know if it's needed. It's nice to have the sculpts. The sculpts are really sweet. And it's nice to have the extra boards. But in the end, it's a lot of squares. I think if you played it a lot. Yeah. It's one of those things, like, you wouldn't go buy the metal coins for Waterdeep if you didn't play Waterdeep every week or two. If you played it once every six months. Because I I enjoy the game. It's just I sometimes feel like the lack of the boards is what does it. Like, Crossmasters. I think Crossmasters is a great game, but... Needs more fight on that board five times and you're like alright I know where every coin is I know you falling into patterns because the board is so same, you know, similar every game Yeah, there's very little reward to deviate from what works yeah you know we were saying that maybe we hoped in the future that there'd be a traitor mechanic to the game like a little pyromaniac kind of like not oh, working yeah, for like the pandemic team pandemic and stuff sure that and I, if there was like a modular board like a modular setup. That would be pretty setup. cool, yeah. It would be really great, like a fog of war. So the board kind of builds, like, descent. Yeah, you, you know? flip it over as you're going through and yeah, stuff like, like that. Like, I don't know what's, cool. what's the next room. I don't, I'm not sure if it's a wall or a hallway or something. Yeah. You can totally build that board like a Marigo, where you just have the frame on the outside with all the spaces and the medic spots, and then you just fill in the blanks in the middle with tiles. Yeah. Something like that could be pretty interesting. Yeah, but imagine, like, you actually you knock down the door... But there's no pieces. There's just the oh, you just drop the, it down. Yeah, there's yeah. just an outer frame, and then as the game goes on, you have to like randomly pick pieces to kind of fit those spots. That'd be cool. Because like, oh, you, you knocked down that door. It turns out it was just a little hallway that went nowhere, and then come back around. I got some cardstock. I might have to actually try that out. Right, yeah. See if it, if we can put something together. Because like I said, I enjoy the game. It's just like that house. Like we got down. Like we played enough times. Like we actually kind of got a strategy now where. It's like, okay, if I cut through here, regardless of if there's an explosion or not, this maximizes your steps throughout the house. Like, this is the best spot to cut through the wall. This is the best wall to yeah, cut through. You don't want to be able to min-max the board. Yeah. You're like, all right, this is easy. We're done. <laughs> That's cool, though. Yeah, we'll definitely have to try it again and maybe brainstorm more. Million-dollar ideas. <laughs> Chris's turn you. this time. I'm telling you. Yeah. yeah. So that was Flashpoint Fire Rescue. And now for the feature review. We um, So we played one more game, one more new game yesterday, uh, Relic Runners, the yeah, new day of, Days of Wonder game. So um, I, it's been off on the shelf forever, but the store got a demo copy in, so we figured we'd take it down and take a run through it. Because it's got, like, you just look at the box and the components look ridiculous. Yeah, the charges look awesome. Yeah, it's just so much plastic and all these... The board, just when you're building it up, it's a lot of fun. Um, But the game itself kind of breaks down into two fairly simple mechanics. Um, Move and explore. That's what you're doing. Um, So basically how it works is you set up the board, you flop it down. uh, There are blue, purple, and white temples. Each of them. (laughs) There are purple temples. The temples are just better by default. Yeah, (laughs) pretty much. They're worth more, right? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have special abilities. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> but, but, yeah, so there's the three different kinds of temples. Each of them has a different bonus. Uh, the purple ones are always face up, so everybody can see what they are. The blue ones and the white ones are face down. 
if you land on a blue one, it stays face down in front of you. If you land on a white one, you flip it up and it has an effect for the rest of the game. The purple ones are one-time effects. Uh, they are different levels, which is kind of cool. So there's a big piece, a medium piece, and a small piece for each temple. That's cool. So when you land there, you take whichever one is there, and then you're going to go to the next one. I think two and three players, you only use two. And then four and five players, you use all three pieces for the temple. Um, so it's, you're going to run through everything a little faster with fewer players. Yeah. I think it's like 45 to 80 minutes. So the game's not super long. And then there are the ruin tiles, which are circular. And these let you build roads. The roads are pretty much the most important component of the game. As we found out. Yeah. About halfway through the game, we realized that if you're not building roads, you're not going to do anything in this game. Um, for a few good reasons. So you land on one of those ruin spots. You use your action point, And the, they're, I think they're food tokens or sure. ration packs. Like, like supplies. Yeah. So you have three at the start of the game. You have to spend one every time you explore a ruin or um, the sh temple. Yeah, so if you go to blue, you have to spend one for that, but then you get that blue blue token, which is victory points. Once you run out, or hopefully before that, you head back to the base camp, which is the center of the board, which you can pick up another three. Yeah, so you have to kind of balance. You can't go too far away. Do you if automatically you replenish, or do you have to like give a resource or something for those? Um, if you just go back to the base camp, you replenish mm -hmm. to three. And there are a couple other ways to replenish, like on your board and some of the tiles you pick up. But but the reason the roads are so important is that the movement works that you get one free movement along an unexplored path that doesn't have your road on it, and infinite numbers of movements on roads you've put down. So if you haven't put any roads down, you're moving one per turn. If you put down like five roads in a row, you can run that whole five and then an extra one. Yeah. So the more roads you put down, the more accessible the board becomes. Um, the two major reasons this matters is that every time you pass a river, uh, you get the toolkit there. You flip the toolkit over, and that lets you move up on your own personal board, which gives you access to some of these special bonuses, um, like moving roads or placing extra roads or getting extra toolkits. So there's a lot of things on that little board that can help you. Um, some of them are multipliers, extra victory points. Other things are just let you move your roads around so you can set up your chain the way you want it to. But you want to move up that board, and the only way to do that is to pass the toolkits on the thing. So the more frequently you do that, which means the better roads you have, the more often you can do that. But later in the game, once you've cleared like all the temples from a spot or all the ruins from a spot, like once it's empty, you picked up the third one, you're going to drop one of the relics on there. And the relics are these really cool little plastic... There's like a skull and a bird. Um, they all have like gems in their mouths. They're really high quality looking little. Yeah, that's components. the thing that looked the most appealing about that when I was looking at the components of that game. Yeah, they make you really want them. Yeah, <laughs> it's like one of those things. Like I think we talked about it with Rune Wars, just not on the air, but like if you there was want like some stone that you actually exactly. got. Exactly, like, it's like this little piece of cardboard. You know? And what's nice about it is once it removes a certain temple, so if it's the white area, it gets the skull. If it's the blue area, it's the blue bird with the gem. If it's one of the green areas, it gives you the roads. It gets the frog with the gem in its mouth, and then um, purple is like a little 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 mask guy with the tongue sticking out. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's fun because when you're when you're playing the game, at first you see this whole board with all these temples, and as the game goes on, the temples get uncovered, and then when they finally are empty, like you would in an actually archaeological dig. Now the ruin shows up there. Yeah. And picking them up is the most interesting part. And this is the reason why the roads are like ridiculously important. To pick up a relic, you have to go from one relic to another of the same color. And they're not all next to each other yeah. because the temples and the ruins are placed on the board specifically in advance. So they're not random. They're all in their own spots. So purple here, purple here, purple here, purple here. You have to be able to get from one side of the board to the other in one move. So if you don't have roads, you're not getting any relics. And when you pick up a relic, you get points equal to the number of spaces you moved, so the number of roads you crossed, gotcha. times two. So if you do six, that's 12 points every time you pick up a relic. The also, relics are also worth points. Yeah, relics are worth five points. Yeah. So what you want to do is collect one of each, because it costs five. you get five for each. Yeah. If you collect multiples, there are ways to score that. But if you don't get that way with either supply or a special tile, they don't count as anything extra. Yeah, there's no set bonuses. You don't get, like, if you have three okay. green ones, you don't get any extra. It's still just five points. But, yeah. um... Just, like, is there any 
is there any moves you can take to like hinder other players or is it like kind of like that solitaire style where you're doing your thing and yeah i mean it's 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 very solitaire yeah you can cross certain river spots which would pick up the supplies that might stop someone from getting the supplies or you might get to a relic before they get to a relic but i would say 95 percent of the moves in the game are just purely for your benefit yeah if you ever took an action just to spite somebody you would be hurting yourself yeah. Um, there are a few situations I saw where, like, you know, there's two green relics. You can choose between one, but someone else could only go to the one. And we were pretty nice because we were all learning. But you could decide yeah. to take that one because then they can't get any. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, but, it's, I mean, sometimes that's pretty good, though, because, you know, it's a game where nobody can get twisted. You know, like, if, like there's no bonus to, you know, blocking somebody out because you're also setting yourself back. So that's kind of nice. Yeah. So it's got that solitary feel, but at the same time, everything you do affects everybody else. Yeah. So, like, you're still emptying those spots. You're still uncovering the relics. Once the relic's gone from a spot, too, that spot is just empty the rest of the game. And the end game comes around when... Uh, it depends on the number of players, but there's a chart on the board that tells you... Um, if, if there's five players, for example, you have to collect ten total relics. Between also, everybody. Yeah. Between all of you. Sure. And that's, as soon as somebody hits ten, everybody gets one more turn. So. Awesome, it's it played pretty smoothly it was pretty quick um i think the big thing for us was we didn't realize how important those roads were except one of us and he scored crazy points so was that chris no that was philosophy dan he just by (laughs) that's a a weird first name and an even weirder last name yeah (laughs) yeah he had like 86 i had 52 and chris had 50 yeah and then yeah the the next two people had 20 each earl and george had about 20 huge span yeah well, the game itself, it looks like a traditional Euro, so you have the blue buildings, and you're like, hey, victory points, I can pick up some straight victory points. Purple buildings, yeah, I know this, this is special actions, one time, I know what to do with those. Yeah, this kind of makes sense, I'm going to go to the, and then there's the white buildings. The white buildings kind of give you an ability that you can keep throughout the game. Um, so it kind of makes simple sense. The roads, Roads really don't give you anything, so why would I bother going over to the roads? Yeah, maybe I want to pick up one or two, but it doesn't seem really something I want to spend my time on. But this game, in a lot of ways, is kind of like Ticket to Ride. It's a route construction game, so you want to build routes that benefit you so you can kind of jump around the map really easy. Because as as, um, as Anthony said, at the end of the game, you want to have the longest route that connects to all the uh, all the relics so you can score the maximum amount of points. Yeah. <clears throat> and at the same time, you got to pick up those white ones, especially the ivory temples. Some crazy bonuses in there. Sure. And I think uh, Dan in that game had, he, not only did he have the longest routes, but he was picking up the supply crates. Yeah. And because he was picking bonuses. up the supply crates, he he was able to move up his supply crates up high enough to give him double points. So he was pulling like 20 points towards the end of the games each round. Now, when you start making these moves, were you just starting to get that feeling of like, Man, I, I don't like where this is going. He's doing <laughs> the, something terrible is coming around the corner. And like halfway through the game, we knew we'd lost. He was that far ahead. <laughs> he had one turn where he got like 18 points. We're like, yeah, we're done. Because he figured it out before anybody else, but then he already had the jump start. Yeah. And then the road spot. Because at a certain point, you can't build any more roads because those ruins tiles are, are gone. So. Like, when did it click in for you? When you Were you liking that? What are you going to... Oh, no. Like, was it that where you just... Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Like, when he, he made a path all the way along the side of the board and up. And at first, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's only on one part of the board. And then as he started getting those points by doing like this, I was like, that's not good. <laughs> um, so, you said it's, it's almost like Ticket to Ride, right? Sure, it has that route construction where you're... By building the routes, you're able to score additional points. So, would you say that if you're more, f- more familiar with Ticket to Ride this game would be, like, simpler to play? I think going into the game, you should definitely look at it as a ticket-to-ride type of game because you want to build the routes. And if you go ahead and do pick up some of the blue buildings, that's great. And you do pick up the special abilities, that's great. But the routes are really what's going to win you the game. The routes are the core, but at the same time, victory points come from a lot of stuff. Sure. So it's a little bit of mix there. You can get the blue, you can build your engine, which what Dan had. You're just back and forth, back and forth. Just getting points every time. Or you could just set yourself up to just kind of run and get as many relics as you want at the end of the game, which is where about 80% of your points are going to come from if you're really set up for it. So, And then the other side of the, car- the character card itself, well, 
Anthony was talking about, this is a day of, Days of Wonder game. So not only are the relics really great, but you actually have these little running kind of figures that are all different colors in the game. I think is it the same sculpt for all four players? or is It, it is, which was the disappointing part because everyone gets a character card that matches the color. The character card has a male and female on both sides, which is nice. So you have some diversity there. And on one side is just the regular board with the special abilities. The other side actually has a unique ability for that character. So I think the one of the players actually had build a route automatically when you start the game. Yeah, they were all like tiny bonuses. Like yeah. one started with an extra two supplies, um, or no, one supply, which just means you could spend one extra turn out. Yeah. One started one space out from the base camp. So they all basically just gave you an extra. It wasn't. It wasn't a or... massive difference, but it's cute. It's nice just to have. Enough, a, yeah. Nice. Just have them a little, a little different. Mm-hmm. It almost play. sounds like that Temple Run game that they have on the iPad. Sure, it's a little bit where, like, like that you grab too. the relic and then you have to run, and then different characters have different abilities. Yeah, a little that bit. Like yeah, that. like that whole theme is pretty cool to me. Just it's Indiana Jones, but it's a little cartoony. So it's the classic Days of Wonder artwork. Yeah. Yeah, component-wise, artwork-wise, as yeah. always, off the charts. I mean, now that you got to play the demo, is it something you're thinking about into your collection, or...? I want to play it again, because I feel like all of us were kind of just stumbling through that first game, like, <laughs> oh, the roads. Ah, uh, <laughs> Dan took all the tiles. <laughs> I like to play that game. Yeah, I mean, it looks interesting enough. I would definitely give it a run. Yeah, and they have a copy at the store now, so... It's a light to medium weight game so it's pretty simple I think we jumped in pretty easy and we met the time it was about 45 minutes yeah we, it was under an hour with the max number of people so, and that was so. all our first time playing too so that was pretty good yeah. what about you Chris do you think it's like somebody's got to get this in their collection or I think it'd be nice if someone picked this up because it was light enough that you could bring family and friends who weren't gamers to play this game it had a nice colorful friendly days of wonder feel to it so you drop this down. I don't think anyone's going to be intimidated by playing it. And there's no dice rolls. There's no calculations. You, the only thing that you might want to take a look at is when you build the routes, how should I build this route to kind of maximize my points? But at least early in the game, you're always getting something when you're yeah. moving from one spot to the other. Now, would you say that if you're more into Euros and victory point games, this would be the game for you? It's a for me at least. It's a lighter game. I personally would pick it up because I don't think it's as complex as I would want. But it's probably in the realm of a Ticket to Ride. So if you play Ticket to Ride, I don't know, Anthony. What would you say? Has it has a weight? You know, I think it, I'd say between Ticket to Ride and a Euro because it has almost a Euro feel. But it's you're right. It's too light to be a Euro. Um, yeah. But there is that almost quasi engine to it. You're setting up the paths. There are multiple victory point methods you can sure. use um you don't but, have to get it through one way but i don't i think i think you still need the routes because yeah yeah but in ticket to ride it's only routes it's literally all you're doing you sure. collect cards you buy routes There's, it's, this is a little more complicated than that i think this is a this is a little more friendly yeah be, and, I, and i think it's a little more colorful as far as like i liked getting the special abilities that were going to help me at the end of the game and i liked getting picking up the purple ones i was like Hey, what's this going to be? Oh, look, I get to go here and there. It was, it had a nice little diversity to it. Yeah, definitely. Where Ticket to Ride, I think, is a little bit heavier and a little bit, well, a little bit more dry, one kind of style. Yeah, people love Ticket to Ride, but every game I play ends up being very quiet. People are just counting their cards. This was, <laughs> it was pretty interactive. We were having fun with it. Yeah, because all you're really trying to do is jump from one idol, one relic to another relic. So in Ticket to Ride, you're like, this scores me six, this scores me four, this will be three trains. and Yeah, and you can f- start thinking, like, okay, this is my move right now, but how does that set me up for my next move? Because that matters a lot, especially if it's going to take that one. So you do start thinking two, three moves in advance. It can be more complicated if you want it to be. It certainly doesn't have to be. Nice. So. so this is a play, and it could be a buy for you. Yeah, definitely. I liked it a lot. But definitely want to play it again before being sure. Better buy. But. We'll try to get in throughout the week. We'll see if it gets bumped up onto your Christmas list of this year. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we'll find out next week on another compelling episode <laughs> of Board <laughs> Gamers Anonymous. <laughs> and the stuff we want. <laughs> hey, I already got Koo, so I'm good. That's true, yeah. Koo was a buy, yeah. as, as you say. It was bought. It was kickstarted. Yeah. I just want to get one of those uh, kickstarted. How long ago? <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> 
I just want to get one of those Kickstarter editions from the local game shop just out of spite. <laughs> I know, right? So you're like, oh, man, yeah, I waited uh, four minutes to get my copy. How many? I'm going to go in there and find out they're, like, on reserve. I'm like, oh, man, come on, they're on the shelf. <laughs> just slap the display over if that's <laughs> Reserve this. Yeah. Aw. <laughs> Ash to never go there again. Like, but no, I love it here. Yeah. What can Ash said you never come to us again? Do you know how many millions you're costing yourself on that decision? <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> so like uh so one thing I was curious about recently is I actually this came up over something with Lords of Waterdeep. Um like showing the game to a friend, stuff like that. They played before and what we do when we play is we like to deal out like two Lord cards to each person. And then they get to choose the one. So this way, you know, you get to at least feel like you're playing the guy that you like. Or the lesser of two evils if, you know, you don't, you don't get a good to get deal. the stupid building one. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. It's like a friend of mine was like, well, like, that's not how the game is played. You know, it's like, yeah, but it makes it a little more fun. It's like, but that's not the challenge of the game then. And if you get the Lord you want, then you're not, you know, the game isn't a challenge for you at that point. And it kind of occurred to me, like, a few people I know are kind of like those gaming purists. Where they're just like completely against house rules and stuff like that i kind of enjoy like house rules like i like you know throwing a little mix into a game especially if it makes it more fun because to me like that's what it is about the games like i don't really care about the challenge i you know i want to enjoy my time with my friends so i was just curious like how you guys feel about house rules like do you you ever feel that like it's something that destroys the essence of the game do you enjoy house rules i just have to note that in a couple of games that i've seen when uh, looking through the rule book, they actually have a section for house rules. And they have their own variation of, oh, if you want to do house ruling, here are some examples. And, like, they actually give you some stuff that you can do, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I enjoy this. Like, I mean, even, like, um, like simple games like uh, Tanto Kore, you know, the, the deal is, well, you can use this 10 character layout or randomize for 13. I mean, I like it where we pick the people we want to use. Like, especially in, like, Puzzle Strike, we've done that a few times, too where whoever lost can choose to remove two piles from the buy stack and then add two of their choice for the next game so the rematch goes a little more towards in their favor. You know, like, I mean, like, like me personally, I dig house rules. I feel like, you know, and it's also like, it could go back to my RPG days where if you were the DM and there was a rule you didn't like, you, you know, the books always told you, well, just get rid of it. It's your game. Do what you want. But as you find, you know, more and more people playing board games... Some of those people kind of freak out when you do what you want. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, to me, the point of games is to have fun. So if there's a rule in a game you don't like or it makes the game less fun, like Lords of Waterdeep giving you a lord that makes you build stuff and you don't want to build stuff, <laughs> then... God, I hate that card. Stupid piety quest. <laughs> Freaking, I don't want the white cubes. Nobody gives me the white cubes. But... You know, if that's the case and it's more fun to play that way, and you know, even if one person disagrees, then yeah, of course, house rules are the way to go. Yeah, we talked about Board Game Geek, and it's another great place to look at house rules or what they call variants. So Kim and I played a game of Garden Dice, and we just kind of jumped in to play the game, and we're like, about halfway through, I'm like, this game is lasting a really long time, and I've just, I've literally farmed like 400 vegetables we here. We put too many seeds in. We put all of them we in, because I couldn't remember how many we had. Yeah, the, the base roll is for a two-player game, you only use five of each, they use the whole stack of ten. <laughs> when she told me the score at the end of the game, that Chris had over 186 points, I'm like, that doesn't happen in that game. I am. I have an awesome group thumb. I was like, did you fall asleep halfway through? Like, how does that? <laughs> but it was a lot of fun because you got to play what you wanted to out of the game, and that's really the point of the game. So now there are some exceptions to that. One of the classic exceptions would be Monopoly, mm-hmm. where a lot of people use the free parking, throw some money underneath there, or if they don't land on a property that they don't want, then you just move along. There are ways which you make the game worse, and Monopoly is, has a lot of worse to it to begin with. So you want to make sure not to give yourself a bad time for the game. But if you've played through the game the first time and you found new ways to make it better, why not? Game designers, especially for hobby games, really want you to have the best time possible. And you, your play in the game is playtesting. So if you find a new way, throw it up on Board Game Geek, let people know about it. I've seen a lot of great little variations that make the game so much better. Yeah, heck yeah. I mean, that's why you see the house rules in the books. The designers love it. You know, yeah, you that, take I mean, my game and make it better. Of course, go for it. Because I'm just thinking, like when we're talking about Summoner Wars, like those ideas of like you know, like oh, put down this on the board, maybe like add these elements. You know, I can see a lot of people like yeah, but you know, 
then why even bother playing as this race or doing this? But, I mean, you know, like, especially with house rules, like, I always feel like it's not about winning or losing anymore. It's just trying to see if you can just make it like that, you know, crank up the fun, like, you know, a couple more points. If you like a game so much that you played it to the point you want to change it, like, there's nothing wrong with that at all. And some games, like, even encourage it. Like, the Duke has those blank tiles. Yeah, They're like, exactly. add your own thing to the game. That's the ultimate house rule. You're making your own pieces. And they even have, like, in Suburbia, don't they have, like, blank... Yeah, they give you, like, three blanks, like, to replace or make your own if you so chose. And you see that with video games, too. Everybody has mods hooked into their game. So, you like this environment? Great. You don't like it? Build your own. Oh, you're talking about the computer mods, right? Yeah. PC, yeah. Well, not just Pc. There's a lot. PC games are right. They don't... Well, no, the mods, they don't have those on... Consoles. Consoles. You can only get those on PC. Oh, okay, because Microsoft's like... Yeah. No! Yeah, but... As a Sony and Nintendo. (laughs) When you said that, I was like, wait, what? You mods on the No matter how much I wanted to, I couldn't download a Macho Man Link. (laughs) (laughs) But you actually do have something as far as mods. You you get special equipment, special clothing. You can get things that kind of alter the game a bit. Like DLC and stuff like that. Although Skyrim on PC... You can do crazy stuff with that. Someone did a Zelda thing on, on that. Someone did everything. Amazing. They did. They Minecraft. remade Morrowind in Skyrim. I know. I saw that. That's that was insane. Awesome. Yeah, like I said, because I, uh, I was just curious about the topic after, like, because, um, you know, I didn't expect someone to get angry over the idea of adding something to the game. But, I mean, like, you know, House Rules is one of those things that something you might want to look into about your game group, see how people feel about those. And, you know, like, some people enjoy the game just exactly as it's written. Like, that is the law. And, you know, I mean, that's fine, too. It's just, you know, you got to find, make sure that everyone in your gaming group feels the same way about these things. Prior to playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like um, when we did our RPG games, uh, you get power gamers. Oh, yeah. Who, like, <laughs> would stick to the rules. But when you DM'd one time, you basically just let anything go where... One time we were fighting this monster, and I was like, oh, can I just jump on this table and shoot my arrow at him? And it failed miserably. Yeah, you hold like a two. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, you know, and like that's the thing too. It's like, you know, like I was saying with the RPG background, you know, I really enjoy the idea of just, you know, making it a little better as you go along. So, because like I know like recently we saw more and more tournament games popping up and people playing certain more games more competitively. So it's one thing I was thinking about, like, you know, like keeping everyone in the gaming group happy. Yeah. But at the same time, keeping the fun going, you know. I feel like we should have Drew in this conversation. There's <laughs> risk mashups. <laughs> That's actually like creating all new genres. I love his ideas. They're, just, they're nuts, man. They're awesome. I, I, I like uh, with, with yeah, the risk it to ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was that ticket to risk? I like risk it to ride better, man. <laughs> what was it like? You know, like garden risk. <laughs> Must protect the vegetables. <laughs> We can even make uh, like a Dixit Risk with like Risk It or something like that. Like, if you guess the art right, you get a bonus to attack or something. It's, oh gosh, <laughs> it's whimsical and heart wrenching. Yeah, pretty much. We're gonna take this beautiful thing that you enjoy and destroy it by combining it with this game that lasts forever. <laughs> yeah, like I said, I just wanted to get your opinions on all that stuff because uh, you know, like as because um, lately we've been seeing like more and more people like popping up at our local store too, and it's. You always want to make sure that when you introduce the game, you teach the right way to play so they don't have the experience of when they go to play at their friend's house, they're like, oh, this is how it works. And somebody's like, no, no, that's not how you play this, you know, because they learned via house rule instead. Yeah, that's actually funny because we, you know, we just downloaded the Waterdeep app. Yep. <laughs> and that is actually how I learned that you only get one Lord card. Plus, Waterdeep Harbor, I did not realize you could put multiple agents in, yeah. in, on those slots. I thought it was just one because that's how we play. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a rough learning experience for me. <laughs> but like we said, neither one of us had ever read the book. Someone else taught us how to play. So yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking about doing more often too: reading books. Yeah. Just to make sure. Some are so hard. I read that like a bootlegger's book three times uh, after we talked about it because I was like, man, I, the game is just so simple and so fun. I feel like there's something I'm missing. Like, sure, there's nothing in here that ruins all that good times because uh, <laughs> you know it shouldn't be this smooth. Yeah, but it just happens to be so. All right, so speaking of which, man, uh, you know, now I'm kind of like in the mood for getting a little something on. So I think we should wrap this up, maybe do a little Summon Awards. I vote for Koo. Relic Hunters? Mm. So many options. Indeed. Let's go to the store for Relic Runners. Relic Koo. Relic Koo. (laughs) Koo Runners. Summon a Relic (laughs) Koo. I kind of like the idea of like a, yeah, I wouldn't mind checking out Koo, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's quick. 
I want to be the Kevin Smith guy. <laughs> Everybody does. <laughs> Player one. All right, so as we get ready for our game of coup, I think it's time we wrap it up. All right, guys, so make sure you follow us on Facebook, look at us on Twitter, check us out on all of our social media. What's that Twitter again? I'm glad you asked, Cam. That Twitter is going to be at BGA Podcast. And what's that Facebook again? I'm also glad you asked that one, Cam. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash boardgamersanonymous. Good to know. All right, guys, so that's everything for this week. This is Anthony. This is Dan. This is Kim. And this is Chris. And until next time, we'll save you a seat at the table. You guys ready to play? Yeah, but just give me one of those assassin cards to start. <laughs> <laughs> All, All right, right as well, long as I take one of the contested cards, yeah, we'll be give fine. Me, give me two contested cards. <laughs> yeah, let's start our cheek. <laughs> I'm going to stop that. I'm just going to deal with the cards and no one's going to You end up with two <laughs> now, is it like a little too revealing if I just simply, you know, start humming applause every time I see the Lady Gaga? <laughs> <laughs> is that letting on too much as to what I got hit in on my side? Damn, you never tell. <laughs> <laughs> what does it mean when it says I'm